Hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Lord. Thank you so much for being here this morning. It encouraged me to see you all, and I'm so glad uh, for the blessings of our Lord this week. You know, there's so much, frankly, that I could complain about. <laughs> I think we all pretty much in the same position. But um, I find joy. Yes, sir. Wherever I can find joy, I kind of lean into those moments. Because I'm realizing that I need joy. Uh, we've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit recently. And the first one was love, and we've spent a few weeks talking about love. Yes, sir. But then the second one is joy. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. These are the fruits of the Spirit that they're talking about. The second one is joy. And I was interested by why we've got love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And I was wondering why joy kind of ranked in my heart. I was trying to figure out why joy was the second one. Right? And I was trying to think, well, why is faith so far down the list and joy so high up the list, right? I was thinking about that this week. So I wanted to kind of kind of round out a series of on this message of the fruit of the spirit by landing the love, joy, peace discussion. Right? We talked about love last week, how love is this agape love, this kind of free love that we have that doesn't require anything from us. We talk about love. But then I wanted to talk about joy. I think an overlooked thing is joy and why joy is important. And I think sometimes we overlook joy and I think we need to center joy as something we think about as part of our lifestyle, as part of our worship, as part of our existence, how we get up in the morning. I don't know if you've met a joyful person. They can help you when you're feeling down. They can lend you a little bit of their joy and kind of it gets injected into whatever you're doing, but then it's up to you to sustain that joy after they've left, right? Some friend comes by, says, hey, I was thinking about you, and I got you a quick gift here, maybe it was an Xbox game, I don't know what it would be. They're gonna give you a game, and then that thing kind of peps you up for a few moments and gives you a little bit of life. Have you experienced that? That's what joy can do. But I've realized that the scripture talks about joy an awful lot, and not just in the fruits of the Spirit. And I wanted to introduce those scriptures today because I think it fits perfectly into what we've been discussing about this idea of the fruit of the Spirit. It fits perfectly into love. You're going to see that in a moment. You're going to see that joy actually leads to other types of fruit of the Spirit, which again reinforces this idea that it is a fruit of the Spirit and we need all of them. We need all of them because they are all connected. You can't have love and no joy. You can't have peace without love. So they're all kind of connected. And I'm hoping today we can just spend a few minutes talking about the connection between the fruit, these items of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to center the scripture today in St. John chapter 9, chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. St. John chapter 15. 9 through 11. I'm going to read this scripture first, but I'm going to die. I'm going to be jumping around an awful lot, so be prepared as I, as I jump around a lot today. St. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. Jesus is speaking, and these are his last moments on earth. And he's telling the people about this idea of love. And this is what he says in St. John chapter 15. This is just after, in fact, the discourse about the true vine, saying, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and you're the branches. 
So you're a part of me, is what he's saying here. You are integral to me, and I am integral to you. Right? And so he gets down to verse 11, verse 9, excuse me, and says, As the Father hath loved me, he starts with love. As the Father hath loved me, so of high loved you. Remember, he's got through with the, I am the vine, you're the branches, and my father is the husbandman or the farmer. The the father is the person who looks after everything. I'm the vine, and you're coming out of me. We are all connected. We need each other. And he says, as the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Continue in my love. Verse 10 says, if ye keep my commandments, Ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You see, the the condition of love, there is no condition for God's love, but there is a condition for keeping God's love. It's it's unconditional to give it, but in order to keep it, you have to have relationship with Christ. Which is why we kind of go on all today, what is Jesus saying to us in these scriptures? Because we can have his love extended to us and then reject it because we're not doing what he says. He's given you his love. He's offered it to you. It's like me making a checkout for somebody and I lovingly give it to somebody and I never cash it, (laughs) right? It's not actually mine unless I actually cash the check, right? It actually stays in their bank account, even though they've given me the check. It stays in their bank account until I actually cash the check. And then the transference of the ownership of the money goes from their account to mine. So the Lord gives us this love, and in order to fully receive it, I have to keep his commandments. So here he says, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, this is where it picks up for me. These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. We've got to joy now. We've talked about love. Now we're connecting to joy. Now he's saying, I've told you all the things I've been talking to you about these last chapters. And this is a rather long discourse going from chapter 15 and chapter 14. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples on multiple topics, but he lands in love right now and says, the father loves me, I love him. I love you and you need to love me by showing me by keeping my commandments. He then says, I've told you all of this thing about love because I'm trying to get elicit another emotion in you. I'm trying to get in you some joy. I've told you about love because I'm trying to get you to be joyful. What he's doing at this moment is preparing them for what's to come. Remember, this is the, one of the last conversations he has with the disciples. He's about to go to the cross and he's about to face crucifixion and they're going to be full of fear, doubt and uncertainty because their saviour, the person who was the Messiah, is now dead. And he's saying to them, I'm going to give you, I'm telling you I love you right now so that you have joy to endure what is to come. 
joy then isn't just about a feeling, and the definition of joy I found was this. Joy is an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or the prospect of possessing what you desire. So joy is because you've got something, or joy is because you will get something. So joy can be, I haven't got it yet, like, like for example, um, we all work, um, so one of the things I realize about work is that sometimes it can get a bit wearing on my patience. Uh, I love my job, to be honest, as much as I can love anything, but it can wear on my patience just a little bit. <laughs> but I tell you what, on the 15th and the 1st of every month, I think about what the 15th is going to look like for my account in Chase. That's why on the second, I'm still thinking about the first. And I'm thinking about the first all the way up to about the seventh or the eighth. Then I'm thinking about the 15th because I've used up everything from the first. And I'm thinking about the joy that will happen when that check finally hits on the 15th. Right? So all that's happening between 1st and 15th, 15th and the end of the month, is the endurance part. But the part that I'm loving is the 15th. The part that I'm loving is the end of the... So joy has two things. It can make you joyful because you get, joyful because something's coming. Right? And, and, and Jesus is telling to them, I'm telling you about love right now. That should make you joyful. But I'm also telling you that everything's going to be okay in the end and you need to be joyful about that as well. <laughs> Love is connected to joy. Once you realize that, he started this whole conversation, I love you, the Father loves me, that means the Father really loves you. By association, if I am the vine and Jesus is the branches and the husband man loves the vine, he's got to love me too because I'm connected to the vine. Right? So he's saying, hey, you need to be really happy about this because he loves me. I know he loves me because I've kept these commandments. If you keep mine, he'll love you the same kind of way. You need to get joyful about the love that God has for you. So, so he goes on. He says, these things have I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy, your joy, might be filled. So love, his love for them is important because what the, his love for us does is it puts his joy, not my joy, it puts his joy in me. <laughs> right? This is the combination we have when we realize somebody loves us. Is that what you're trying to do to the person who loves them, when you tell them you love them, you're not just telling them you love them, you're trying to change their attitude with the knowledge of the love. I'm trying to reassure you, and I'm trying to put joy in you by the fact that I actually love you. <laughs> so when we find out that Jesus loves us, what that does is it puts joy in us. But the responsibility isn't just to receive his joy, it's about getting your own. Let's read that again. This, he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. 
right? So there's two parts. Is Jesus wants his joy in you and he wants it to stay there. That's the first part. He wants his joy to be at the center of your joy. But then on top of that joy, he wants you to get your own joy. You've got to get your own joy. You've got to create your joy. You are responsible. He's going to give you some, but it's your job to add to it. Your job to create more. I don't know if you've ever had, I have friends like this, where, you know, you are get so excited for something, but they don't want to get excited for it. They're not in the mood to get excited for it. So you're bringing all this excitement and they're like a sponge taking all the excitement you have, but not contributing anything back. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you joy, but you've got to come up with some too. Your joy, your excitement, your enthusiasm about your relationship with him should start with his love for you. He didn't even start by asking you to love him. He said, I'm going to love you. And that should be enough to spark a little bit of joy in me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Then he goes on in verse 20, 12. He says, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Isn't it fascinating that the first thing to come out of the love of God, he's talking about love, and the first thing he talks about isn't faith. The first thing he talks about out of love isn't hope. And those are the two, we know how important they are. Scripture says in Corinthians, there abide three things, charity, love, faith, and hope. And the greatest is charity, the greatest is love. But when he talks about the effects of love, he immediately starts thinking about joy. <laughs> That's what the emotional effects of love should be for us, is to have a joyful demeanor. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The scripture tells us in, I think it's the Psalms, that the joy of the, no, Nehemiah, I think it is, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Here the Lord is, here Nehemiah the prophet was saying that the joy of the Lord literally gives me strength. <laughs> I don't know if he, about you, but I know that somebody who is happy and engaged is much more helpful to me than somebody who is dis, who kind of not interested in what you're doing. If you have somebody kind of enthusiastic and joyful, you can get a lot done. I don't know if you've ever tried to convince somebody that they should help you and they just don't want any part of it. <laughs> but a joyful person, they'll just get at it. What are you doing? I'll help you. What do you need me to do? Go, I'm, I'm on it. Joyful gets you to work. And the name I had recognized that and said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy doesn't just help you in the present moment. Joy helps you to endure. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's a scripture I want to jump to really quickly in, in the, in the uh, epistle of James. James chapter 2 and verse 1. James chapter 2 and verse 1. Let's see if I can find that really quickly. My brother, yes, sir. Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, yeah. with respect of person. For if there come unto you, your assembly of man, is that James 1? Sorry, James 1, excuse me. James 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 2. My brother. Yes, sir. Count it all joy. Yeah. When you fall into darkness. This was a tough one when I was reading this. James is saying to the people here, I want you to count it joy when you go through some things. Like, that's, 
<laughs> like I've read the definition, it's joy is an emotion of well-being, of success. Or, this is the other part that you have to realize about the definition of joy, by the prospect of possessing what you desire. So you can be going through something bad, but because you know it's leading to somewhere good, you will get joy even though it's bad. That's what James is basically saying here. Read that one more time. Verse two. Verse two. My brethren, count, it all joy. count everything joy when all kinds of things go wrong for you. Count it joy. I know it's not joyful, but I want you to count it as joy. And verse 3 says what? Knowing this. Knowing because of this. That the trying of your faith working. When you go through all these awful things, it's going to try your patience. Your faith. And faith will do what? Worketh patience. Have you noticed now we've gone from love to joy? back to faith, and patience is nothing other than long-suffering. So now we've hit on four fruits of the Spirit, right? Love leading to joy. James telling us to take joy and use it to find faith. And then faith will lead us to long-suffering or patience. All the fruit of the Spirit then are connected. It's not like he's asking you to get all these different, which is why it's one. Because they are all connected it says count it joy when you're going through things because something's coming in your future that's better than where you are right now and when you get to that future you're going to have gone through faith and you're going to have gone through long suffering and patience to get there thank you lord jesus let's go to one let's go back to uh, saint john chapter 15 it says these things have i spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you Thank you, Lord. And that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. What's an interesting thing here is now is that he's asking you, not directly but indirectly, to spread joy. Why do I say that? If his love for you was designed to create joy, then our love for each other is designed to spread not just love, but joy. He's saying, I'm going to love you in such a way that it's going to be joy for you. And I want you to love each other in the same way. By that I mean, I want you to create love with each other such that it creates joy. So when the love of God comes through me to, through Christ and he tells me to love you all in the same way that he loves me, that, sh that love should result in joy for you. Love is connected to joy directly. I now understand why the fruit of the Spirit starts love, joy. <laughs> joy comes out of my desire to have love for you. So when I get together with you, we should be creating joyful atmospheres. We should be creating loving moments that help us. And I'm not saying this is easy, this is difficult. Love, the way of love is way more difficult than the way of hate. It's way more difficult because we are asking you to create something in somebody else. I often, you know, we, we are referred to in the scripture as broken and crooked vessels. And I often say, 
it is difficult for me sometimes, a lot of the times, to love past all the things that are defective in me. I have to, I'm a crooked vessel first. Like, I'm broken vessel needing to be healed by Christ first. I've got to get past all my insecurities, all my problems, all my issues, through all of your insecurities, problems, and issues, and love you. And you simultaneously have to get past all of your stuff, love past my stuff, and love the person in me. All broken vessels in the hands of the potter trying to get love to work so that joy can remain. But why is joy so important? <laughs> why is joy so important? There is a wonderful scripture in Psalms 30 that I wanted to share with you. Psalms 30 verse 5. I've got a few to, to, to share today. Psalms 30 verse 5. Psalms 30, 30 verse 5. Yes, sir. His anger yes. endured but a moment. Yes. But in his favor is light. So he's talking about the Lord here right now. He's saying his anger, if you think about what his anger is, it only is the snap of a finger. It's only a simple moment. <laughs> and keep going. For his anger endured but a moment. Yes. Life. But his favor is life, okay? And keep going. Weeping may endure for a night. Yes. But joy comes. Joy comes in the morning. Here is the scriptures being very clear about something. It's saying that there are some momentary issues that you might have to go through. And that the night represents darkness and represents confusion, represents a lack of information. And some of the situations we find ourselves in, we're often not able to see all the way to the other side. You know that kind of saying, the light at the end of the tunnel? That means you're in darkness, but you can see the way out. This is kind of talking about a situation where you're not sure where the light's going to come from. But the scripture also says right at the very end, is that joy comes in the morning. Meaning I can endure all this night all this darkness because joy is going to be waiting for me on the other side. Joy then is a force that allows us, an emotional force that allows us to move forward even when we are surrounded by darkness. Like even though we are surrounded by darkness, we are going to lend from a future moment and pull in the realization of that future moment into this moment to make sure that we can endure what we are going through. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Joy does that to us. Joy makes us happy when there's really no present reason to be happy. Because it says, I'm going to think about some future event and that's going to make me happy to just go through this and I'm going to get through it because joy is coming later. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's read that one more time. 30, Psalms 30, verse 5. Yes. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night. Yes. But joy cometh in the morning. Joy cometh in the morning. I've got a couple more scriptures I want to share with you. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. We talk about Jesus and having joy um, that he says, I want my joy to remain in you. That's what Jesus said in St. John chapter 15, right? He says, I want my joy to remain in you. Let's look at Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Yes. Seeing we also are compassed about with so 
So, so, so this writer, Paul, is basically saying, uh, in chapter 11, he went through a whole bunch of folks who were witnesses of faith, prophets, seers, preachers, who endured a lot. And he says, seeing we, we know about these people who were before us, who endured this, this moment, let us run this race with patience. And then he goes on and says, what? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So now we've seen all the people who have passed. The most important patriarch, the most important example is Jesus. And look at what he looks as this example of Jesus. He keeps going. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Okay, now we see, now Jesus used joy to endure the cross. <laughs> he used joy not in the cross that's a horrible situation that's a horrible torture that's a horrible death but he used joy to endure the cross but we have to understand what was the joy he was using what was the sense of this joy I don't want you to go too far from that scripture but I need one more scripture John 3 16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him, believes on Jesus, should not perish but have everlasting life. Meaning Jesus was given, the thing that was given for love, it created joy in Jesus and allowed him to endure the cross. He was talking to his disciples back in St. John chapter 15 in that moment and saying, I'm about to go through something, but I'm giving you the joy in me so that you can endure. Can you imagine that? Somebody's about to go through the worst moment and the most worst day, and the thing he's centrally concerned about is the joy in his disciples. Like your worst days come, right? And, and sometimes we do this, we have these horrible days at home, at work, and we come home and we try our best to hide everything about that worst day. Things didn't go well. Contracts didn't go the way they were supposed to be. People didn't show up. And you come home and you have these faces of these children, of this family, of your wife, looking at you, hoping for some help. And you say, I'm gonna put away all my stuff and reach in and get some joy for them. Right? This is what Christ is doing for us. His worst day. And he says to his disciples, I'm telling you all this so that you'll have some joy. Joy helped him to overcome and joy helped the disciples and us to overcome. We need joy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me give you one more scripture, then I'm going to take my seat. Zephaniah 3, verse 17. I'm sending you all over the prophets today. Zephaniah 3, 17. Last scripture here I wanted to share with you how important joy is. Let me see if I can find that too. Zephaniah Thank you, Lord Jesus. Zephaniah, one of his last prophets. Thank you, Lord. Zephaniah, Zephaniah 3, 17. 317. Yes. Lord, yes. Thy God yes. is in the midst of thee, is mighty. He will save. That's the, so the, 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 the prophet Zephaniah is speaking to the people of God and he's trying to assure them, reassure them they've gone through a lot 
and he's trying to reassure them they've got back out of captivity, out of the torment of being in captivity under the Babylonians, and he's telling them, reassuring them, you've gone through a lot, but the Lord is with you. And the Lord is in fact mighty. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to have a mentality of somebody who's defeated. I want you to know that the mighty God is with you. And he keeps going on and he says, he will save. And what does he say next? He will say, he will rejoice over thee with joy. So listen to what the Lord's going to do. To reassure you, to help you, he's going to rejoice. And the word rejoice simply means to be glad over you with joy. It's like gladness with gladness. Happiness with, he's going to reinforce his happiness with more happiness. He's going to joy over you with joy. He's going to rejoice over you with joy. So a central part of who God is in helping us be better, be more assured, be more faithful is joy. Why is joy the second one of the fruits of the Spirit? Because it's critically important for me overcoming. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's important for me to spread. Keep reading. What do you say? He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. Love and joy combined together again. Love, joy. Love, joy. And he says what? He rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. So his love leads to joyful singing. Love and joy are connected. I hope you understand that when you sometimes say you're gonna love somebody, you gotta bring them some joy. Like, like don't be loving people and upsetting them. Don't, don't, don't just do a little bit better. You know how we do sometimes. We wanna say we love each other, but we wanna do it and we wanna, don't wanna spend the time it takes to bring a bit of joy into each other's lives. Love and joy are connected. And we've got to make sure that when we're offering love, we offer a little bit of joy. Jesus on his worst moments was talking about love and joy. Even though he was getting ready to endure the cross, he said, I'm going to make time to make sure these people know I love them. Your best love can be shown, frankly, when you're having your worst day. It can be shown because instead of bearing all, getting somebody to bear the burden that you're carrying, what sometimes you'll do is try to reassure them that everything is going to be okay. It's love connected to joy. It's love connected to faith. It's love connected to patience. That's the kind of love we want to do. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word.